0: All right. Well, um, good morning again. Uh, as, as we look at Acts, um, we, we last week we started our series in Acts and talked about waiting. How how God grows His church. How God grows the church through waiting. And I, I just know how that has impacted. Me um, as I thought about what it means to wait and, and, and long for God to move, but also confidence that God is moving and working during the waiting. And, and now as we as we move on further in Acts, we see that God is continuing to work. And we're gonna talk this morning how God builds his church through the Holy Spirit. Have you ever looked around and, and looked at something? and realize that you didn't have the power to accomplish it. I, I don't know what, what that is for you. Last week, we talked briefly about like starting a business and how I have no experience doing that. And if somebody said, hey, go build a multi-billion dollar industry, I would have not a clue how to do that. I would know that I don't have the power to do that. But there's so many other things in our lives that I feel like it's so easy to feel like we just don't have the power to do. Maybe it's a task at work, maybe it's parenting, maybe it's, I remember the first time I looked into these windows at the church um, back in, oh, 2013, I guess, looking in the windows and like, oh man, how are they going to accomplish anything in that building? And I just want to say real quick, most of you know how much this building has changed over the last five, six, seven years. And I just want to show you real quick that we now have painted floors, like, look at that, solid, gray, no stains, how cool is that? But, like, initially it can be like, man, what, how can we accomplish anything in that
1: building? How can God do anything? And I I think it's easy to feel like this as a church, like, how can we accomplish what is set before us? We don't have the power to do that, and I wonder, as I look at Acts,
0: I've wondered if the disciples felt that way at all, that the task before them, this way, thing that God has called them to, that Jesus left and said, you're going to be
1: my witnesses. Like, you're going to be the church. And I wonder if they felt that way. Like, this thing you set before us is too big for us to accomplish. And I I think that's a valuable part of this. As we study Acts this morning, as we study over the next eight, nine weeks, we're going to see that it was a task that was too big to accomplish for the disciples. But it wasn't for God. And as we read Acts, I was reading one
0: of the commentaries this week, and they talked about three different ways that we could study Acts. We could go through Acts. We could read it as just cold scholars, is the, is the term they used. It's just reading the facts that happened and try to learn these facts to be able to re- recite. And that's obviously not the way that we want to read Acts.
1: But we also don't want to read Acts just as casual admirers. We don't want to read it in just something that's like, wow, that's awesome, look what God did back then. Because it's, it's more than that. And the third way that this, that this writer said was, we want to read Acts like committed soldiers. Like those who are in this. Like, this is not just something that happened thousands of years ago. But this is something that God is calling us to now. That God is still building His church in the waiting. He's building it through the Holy Spirit. Like, God is still doing this. And so, as we look at God building the church through the Holy Spirit, as we look at God building the church through waiting, like, we should be reading this and just, as as soldiers, as people who are in this, because God is still working through this church and through churches across the globe to spread His glory, to, to, to bring His salvation to the nations. And I just hope that as we are in Acts, that we are reading it, that we are being impacted by it and reading as people in the battle. So God is building His church through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. And
0: we don't have enough time to go and do a full theology on the Holy Spirit. Like We, we just don't have time for that um, but like, we've,
1: from, the, from the very beginning, from the Genesis 1, we see the, the God the Father and the Spirit hovering over the waters. The, 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 we see the trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I think that the Holy Spirit is probably the least often taught about, the least often uh, preached about, probably the least often written about. But the Holy Spirit is active throughout all of Scripture. But then in the New Testament, we see these active in, the, in a new way in a slightly different way, or it's seen differently. Because the Old Testament is full of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. We see this all the way through. We see Joshua, David, Isaiah, Samson, the prophets. Like, there's many people throughout the Old Testament that we see the Holy Spirit indwells, that the Holy Spirit comes upon, and we see it give a spirit of wisdom, we see craftsmanship, we see prophecy and strength. The Holy Spirit then empowers these individuals. But the Holy Spirit was not given in the Old Testament in a way that was like permanently indwelling them. And we see the difference in the Old Testament, but the Holy Spirit was active. But then everything changes when Jesus comes on the scene. Like, look, so many other things. When Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament, things are so different. That as Jesus is on earth and as Jesus ascends and sends his Holy Spirit, like, everything changes. And before we even get to Acts specifically, what I want to do is I want to read John 16, 4 through 15. When I think this is too important not to read before we get into Acts, before we get into the Holy Spirit's role in Acts. I'm, I'm going to read these verses for us, um, and, and then we'll proceed. So John 16, I'm going to start in the second half of verse 4. Jesus says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Like it's, it's such a huge section there, such a huge portion of Scripture, because what we see is that the Holy Spirit has multiple roles that, he, that the Holy Spirit's going to fulfill once Jesus ascends to heaven. We see this, Verse 8, we see that he's going to convict of sin. He's going to convict the world of sin. In verse 14, we see the Holy Spirit is going to point to Jesus. It's going to glorify Jesus. And actually, back in John 14, we see that the Holy Spirit's going to be a helper. It's going to be a comforter. And in chapter 14, which I'm not going to read, but in verse 16, it says, this is going to be a gift forever to believers, to followers of Jesus. This gift of the Holy Spirit is going to be forever. And also in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, which I'm going to, I'll read for you real quick, which I don't have at marked. so give me a second. Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians 1, chapter, verse 13 and 14. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You see, it's this assurance of salvation that Jesus, even when he was going to ascend to heaven, he was sending this Holy Spirit to convict of sin, to point to Jesus, to be a helper, to be a comforter but also to provide assurance of salvation, that we might know that we are saved. We could spend weeks talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. We could spend weeks, even in the role of the Holy Spirit, in Acts, just in Acts alone. But as we go this morning, what I want to do is just focus on four roles of the Holy Spirit. Just just four things that the Holy Spirit provides that we see in the book of Acts. As God is building His church Four roles. The, the Holy Spirit's going to provide power. The Holy Spirit provides boldness, endurance, and direction. Four things. I'm never this organized. We have PowerPoint. We have four clear things. Like, this is awesome. But this is, we see so many roles. As I was studying this week, as I was preparing, there was so many things that we could talk about the Holy Spirit doing. I was like, man, there's no way I can pack this into a Sunday morning sermon. So four things. Look at the so first. The Holy Spirit provides power. The Holy Spirit provides power. Remember, this was promised back in Acts 1. We read this verse last week. Acts 1, verse 8. What did Jesus say? He said, Well, so when they, had, it says, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They receive power. And I don't know what you think of when you think of power or how are you define power? Strength or force, influence? But Jesus is saying, you're going to receive this Holy Spirit. It's going to provide you power. And as I was thinking about it this week, like, just the correct message is not enough. Like, Jesus is saying, like, I'm going to give you more. Like, I, I was thinking about it this week. You can't, I don't think you can get the best teacher, the best academic, the best person who can teach and say, yeah, go teach the Bible. I don't think, I think we're, you're missing something. They don't have the power. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. It's not just about the message, but about the Holy Spirit giving power to impact lives with this message. And what you see is that also Jesus said, the Holy, He's going to send the Holy Spirit with power, but that power comes before witnessing. So I'm going to send you, I'm going to fill you with this power, and then you're going to be my witnesses. But only after He's going to send this power. The Spirit coming, the Spirit being a prerequisite to action and to anything, should not really surprise us if we look at the rest of Scripture. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes and then enables people to act. We see in Romans 8, we see that without the Spirit's actions in our lives, like we can't even submit to God. Like we don't have the ability to do that until the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Until we lead it to repentance. But the Holy Spirit must act first. In Psalm 51, I've got, I'll have it up on the screen. Psalm 51, I don't have it pulled up, but I'm going to flip to it real fast. Psalm 51, we see this, this beautiful psalm of David's repentance. Of David's repentance. What does he say? He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Like, create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit. Then I will teach. Like, it's God's action. It's God's action. to the Holy Spirit. It's Him doing that first. The prerequisite to then teaching. Like, to truly be witnesses. To be able to tell our story, to be able to tell what God has done in our lives. We first need to be changed. We first need the Holy Spirit within us. Like, that's the power of the Holy Spirit to give us a new heart, to give us new desires. And so as we look at Acts, like the Holy Spirit would come first, and then the disciples would do amazing things. Then God would would work through these individuals to build His church. I mean, so look at Acts chapter 2. I don't have the verses pulled up on the screen, but we see in Acts 2, you see this awesome, awesome experience where the Holy, the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples that gathered in this room. Carla this morning um, was like, man, is this morning we're talking about fire falling on people's heads? Like, yes, yes, that is Acts chapter 2. Like the Holy Spirit comes and fills the disciples. And then, but then Peter stands up and preaches in Acts 2. And what do we see? I, I'm not going to read all of Acts 2 because there's so much there. But Peter's preaching Christ, Christ crucified, the cornerstone, the church is being built on him. And then what we see at the end of chapter 2. Look at verse 37 in Acts chapter 2. Peter just gets done preaching. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the pro- apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You see, like when the, when the gospel is preached with power, through the Holy Spirit, there's conviction. And that conviction leads to repentance. That conviction leads to salvation. Remember in John 16, we said the Spirit would come and bring conviction of sins. And we see that right away in Acts 2. Right? The Holy Spirit falls on Peter. He starts preaching. And people are convicted of sin. We see that 3,000 people are saved. Because the Spirit moved with power. And I was thinking about this for us today. Like, the Holy Spirit is the power. Like It's not our job to save anyone. Like it's not our job to convince someone of their need for Jesus. Like we don't have the right words. The results are not on us. Like the results are not on us to see people saved. The results are not on us to see all these people gathered together as the church. Like God is building a church. God through the power of the Holy Spirit is doing this. And I feel like this truth, knowing the Holy Spirit comes with power and dwells as people. Fire falls on their heads. This should motivate us. Like, we've got got that power within us. The power to share the gospel, to see people saved. It should motivate us, but also we should be able to rest in that. Knowing that, that it's not up to us. Knowing that we're not in charge of the results. But That is God working through His Holy Spirit to save to build His church. But the Holy Spirit provides that power. But the Holy Spirit is not done. The Holy Spirit also provides boldness. The Holy Spirit provides boldness. And I think that boldness can mean a lot of different things. One author that I read this week, he defined boldness as acting by the power of the Holy Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of some threat. So acting, like indwell by the Holy Spirit with boldness in the face of some threat. In Acts 2, we see that boldness. I mean, Peter stands up and starts preaching to all these people. Boldness. But look at Acts 4. I want to read this this section for you. Acts chapter 4, 23 through 31. So Peter and John had just been brought before the council for preaching the name of Jesus. They had done some, there's a healing. They're brought before the council. They're questioned. There's like the first the, this little persecution. Starting to start, starting to begin here. And look at this awesome story. Starting in verse 23. After the, Peter and John, after they were released, since they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. For whom in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while, stretch, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed and through, your, through the name of your holy servant Jesus." And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word with word of God with boldness. It's, it's just awesome that these, these disciples like Peter and John had faced this, this difficult situation. They've been questioned by, by these leaders. And they're like, God, give us more boldness to continue to, continue to do this. And what, what's it say? They are filled with the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit indwells in them in chapter 2, but then throughout the book, we see these different, these different situations where it seems like the Holy Spirit really comes upon them and they start doing even greater things. And as I looked at Acts 2, I thought, man, this, Peter already, already seems pretty bold to stand up and start preaching in front of all these people saying, you guys crucified Jesus. Repent. Like, That's bold. That's a bold claim. That's a bold call. And now they're praying for more boldness. Like, just think about this. This is Peter who was cowering in front of a little girl a couple weeks before this. Remember when this little girl's like, hey, you're, you're following Jesus. You're one of his. And he's like, no, 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 that's not me. Three times, cowering in fear. And now he's standing up in front of leaders, in front of crowds, proclaiming the name of Jesus, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to be saved. Like This is Holy Spirit. This is not Peter. This is the Holy Spirit. And just think, how often are we fearful of man? I, I know, I feel this all the time. Like, man, what is that person going to think of me? How is my reputation is going to be impacted if I start talking about Jesus right here. Like, when you, are we afraid of sharing the gospel? Are we afraid of praying out loud? Are we, like, what, what are we afraid of? Are we afraid of what people are going to think, right? We're fearful of man. And the Holy Spirit is who provides boldness. And if we we're to do this, like, we are desperate for the Holy Spirit to provide this boldness. As I read chapter 4, like, man, I, like, this should be part of our prayer nights. Part of the time, is ours as a, as a church, praying for boldness. Because these, these disciples prayed for boldness, and what happened? The Holy Spirit filled them. And they continued preaching with boldness. That's what the Holy Spirit is providing. And God is building His church through people boldly preaching the gospel. And that's still the thing today. God is still building His church through empowering people in boldness to proclaim the gospel, to boldly proclaim it in one-on-one conversations, to boldly proclaim it in front of large congregations, to boldly proclaim it in online settings. Like, that's the Holy Spirit. Like, oh, that we would be desperate for this. I've been praying this week for boldness, praying for our church that God would fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we would be bold for the name of Jesus. But that's going to be the Holy Spirit, not us, who provides that boldness. Power. Boldness. What we also see is the Holy Spirit provides endurance. It's not just power. It's not just boldness, but also endurance to keep going. Like, Endurance is not natural. Like, we, we, we cave. We run out of steam. Like, to continue doing anything when things get tough takes endurance. You can use running examples. You can use work examples. You can use exercise. Like, any kinds of things. The endurance is important. Parenting, families, church. What, what examples do you want to use that don't require Endurance. But Christians need endurance. Desperately need endurance. Like Paul in in 1 Corinthians talks about this. He talks about training his body. So to win the race, he says. But that is only empowered through the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. So again, we talked a lot about this last week. Um, in Acts 7, where Peter stands up and and starts preaching the gospel. There's this whole long uh, explanation of God working through the Old Testament and and then bringing Jesus. And we see in, in chapter 6, in chapter 6, verse 8, he first says, and it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So Stephen has this Holy Spirit, full of grace, full of power, Preaching this gospel in front of everyone. But then look, at fast forward to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. It says, Now when they heard these things, and they heard everything that Stephen had to say, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out in a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You see, Peter, or sorry, Stephen, full of the Spirit, full of this power, had ticked off these leaders. Told them that, hey, they're responsible. They they rejected this Messiah. Look what they've done. In verse 55, we see, full of the Holy Spirit, he keeps talking. He keeps talking. And they cast him out of the city. And and, and they begin to stone him. And look at verse 60. Verse 60 that I just read. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I catch that. Stephen prayed for the people that were stoning him. He prayed for the people that were stoning him. But the Holy Spirit provides endurance to keep going. To keep going. Even when things were difficult. Stephen was about to die. He was being killed for his faith. Killed for the gospel he was proclaiming. And yet he prayed for them. Like that's Holy Spirit given endurance. That's Holy Spirit given motivation. Like I wish I could say, like right now, thinking if someone started to stone me, that that would be my first response. That God would forgive them. That God would not hold that against them. But man, like, the, I hope that would be me. But we, we pray that the Holy Spirit would give us this endurance. Because the Holy Spirit empowers the church, empowers Christians to suffer well, to keep going, when facing persecution, when suffering comes, when difficult things come, the Holy Spirit allows us to suffer well. Have you ever seen someone who suffered well? Who faced difficulty and kept going? Without complaint, just continue going, just giving glory to God. Like this, it's incredible when you see it. You see the Holy Spirit in their lives. Like we are desperate for the Holy Spirit to empower us to suffer well. But this Holy Spirit-empowered suffering, this Holy Spirit-empowered endurance, can only, that can only happen when our focus is on Christ. Because the Holy Spirit empowering us to continue looking at Christ I mean, look at verse 55. Look at 55. This is so huge. It says, But he, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus at the right hand of God. Like, his gaze is on Jesus. Full of the Holy Spirit, then his gaze is on Jesus. Like, this is not natural. Like, I think it's really important but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. Because I don't think our natural, our natural thing when things are hard, I don't think is to gaze to heaven. It's not mine. But full of the Holy Spirit, he was gazing into heaven. This is spirit given. That endurance for the pe- that Stephen was given was from the Holy Spirit and caused him to gaze at Jesus dwell on Jesus, because that was his motivation. Like, only through the Holy Spirit can we pray for our persecutors. Can we pray for those that want to harm us? Like, have you ever felt like you just needed endurance? That you couldn't keep going? That you didn't have enough? Have you ever felt that way? The Holy Spirit can give us endurance to keep going. I feel this so many times. Just this, to continue going forward. Like, we're so dependent, so desperate for the Holy Spirit. Like, the church in Acts is going to need this over and over and over again. Facing persecution. Many would begin to be killed. They'd be scattered for their faith, but the Holy Spirit would continue giving them endurance. Think about our church, the church in 2020. Endurance. To keep going in those periods of waiting. To keep going when there is opposition. To keep going when we don't see the fruit of our labor yet. That endurance to keep going is only going to come through the Holy Spirit. I don't envision things for the church getting any easier in 2020. I mean, I can't say anyone envisioned the situation we're in at the moment, but just everything going forward, I I don't think things are going to get somehow easier for the church, but we are going to be dependent on endurance. It's not from us, but it's given by the Holy Spirit. Power. Boldness. Endurance. The Holy Spirit continuing to work all through Acts but also the Holy Spirit provides direction. Because you can have power, you can have boldness, you can have endurance, but if you're going the wrong way, like what good is the power? What good is the endurance? What good is the boldness if you're not headed the right direction? Like fast forward just a couple, maybe a page or two in Scripture, in chapter 8. In chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 26 through 40. We see this awesome Example of the Holy Spirit in Acts, providing clear direction to a follower of Jesus. I want to read this. He says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep who is led to slaughter, and a lamb before its Shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generations? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him about the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the water, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? I'm going to stop right there. Did you, did you catch that? Did you catch what happens there? Like the spirit, the angel, this angel tells Philip what he's about to do. But then, the Philip, but then the spirit tells Philip, hey, go up into that chariot. This spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is indwelling him, directs Philip to a man waiting to hear the gospel. Think about this. Like, this Ethiopian man was in his chariot, struggling to read, struggling to understand this book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah can be hard to understand. We've been reading this on Sunday nights. Like, there's a lot there. But especially if you've not yet heard of Jesus. Like, so much of Isaiah is fulfilled. We see these prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. But verse 31, we see this man knew that he needed someone to teach him. He he knew he needed someone to come explain this to him. So think about this truth. Think about this reality. Not only was the Holy Spirit directing Philip, but the Holy Spirit was also gifting this man with someone who could teach him the gospel. Like, that's, that's incredible. That's awesome. Like, Holy Spirit providing, directing Philip but also gifting this other man with someone to teach him the gospel. Like, this isn't the only example in Acts. Like, this isn't the only example. I'm not going to read the... I'm going to show you some scriptures up on the screen. I'm not going to read them all. But Acts 13, 2, we see the Spirit clearly says, Set apart for me. Paul, Barnabas." like, set apart for me. I'm going to direct them. I'm directing you what to do. Acts 16:6 6, we see that says, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, the Holy Spirit is saying, set apart for me. Now we see the Holy Spirit saying, don't go there. Over and over and over again in Acts, the Holy Spirit is directing. The Holy Spirit is guiding. The Holy Spirit is, is leading the people of God to go, to not go, to wait. All these different things that we see The Holy Spirit active in directing believers, directing entire churches. We see in Acts 13, that's the church at Antioch. The Holy Spirit directing entire churches. And that same God, that same Holy Spirit is the one that we have today. Like, God is directing. Through the Holy Spirit, God is directing. But I I mentioned this last week. Sometimes I'm afraid that we, that I'm me, can be so busy doing or trying to do, so busy brainstorming, trying to so be too busy, so busy trying to do everything that we're not listening. Like, do we pray that God would show us who to share the gospel to? Do we pray that God would show us through the Holy Spirit where to go? That God would direct us. I mean, in Acts 13, if we read that whole passage the Holy Spirit spoke as they were together, as the church was together, worshiping, as they were together, fasting, they were all together and the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul, set apart for me Barnabas. Like that was the Holy Spirit doing that for the church. Like man, we, we, CRC, Christ Reconciled Church, are so desperate for this same direction. We need the Holy Spirit to direct us. Like, we couldn't get very far in Acts without talking about this role of the Holy Spirit. God empowering us. God sending His Spirit into our lives. Into the lives of these disciples here. Empowering them to do all kinds of things. Power, boldness, endurance, direction. We have this Holy Spirit. If we are to accomplish anything in Johnson City, in this neighborhood, across the globe, like, it's going to be through this power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what the Holy Spirit does. I read this back in John 16. The Holy Spirit provides pointing. The, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit points us. To, I want to read this again. It's, it's, it's too good. John 16. John 16, verses 12 through 14. I have said these things to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Like all the Holy Spirit does providing power, providing boldness, providing endurance, providing direction. All of that is focused on providing glory to Jesus. All that Tanner talked about during those three weeks, why Jesus? The Holy Spirit points to the death, the resurrection of our Savior. Over and over and over again, He does this. Like this is why every Sunday morning, someone prays that the Holy Spirit be working in our lives, the Holy Spirit be working and pointing us to Jesus. Because each one of us needs our hearts, needs our minds pointed back to Jesus. We all need pointed back to that good, the beautiful message of Christ. The message of the gospel. That he's the only one that can save us from our sins. Like, our only hope is in that gospel. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Convicts of sins. Empowers us to speak boldly the name of Jesus. Jesus directs us, gives us endurance when we just can't keep going, stirring our hearts to repent of sin, opening our eyes to the truth of the gospel. Like, guys, this is the the Holy Spirit been given to the church, empowering believers, empowering churches to do incredible things, to glorify Christ, to point multitudes to the risen Savior. Like, that is our hope. Jesus, the risen Savior, like that is our hope. We've been given the Holy Spirit to point us back to Jesus. To point us back to Jesus. And the church in Acts, and the church today, is being built by the Holy Spirit through the power of God upon this cornerstone, upon a risen Savior. God is, He's acting in the waiting. He's acting today. Like, I'm going to pray right now that the Holy Spirit would just come upon us, that the Holy Spirit would empower us and give us boldness and endurance and direction and power. And that we would seek that at every moment of every day. Let's pray.